This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their taproom in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com. Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art science and enjoyment of craft beer yeah what's wrong with the beer we got now here are your hosts tim dennis and brian hewitt and welcome to the beer guys radio show we're broadcasting from the beer guys radio studios in marietta georgia and this week we're talking with roadhouse brewing company i am tim dennis and with me as always is my good friend and co-host brian hewitt Hey, Tim. So joining us today, we have Max Schaefer, the brewmaster for Roadhouse. We're going to talk about beer collaborations with musicians, sustainable brewing, living deep, and just maybe brute IPAs. Thanks for joining us, Max. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to dive into it now because I know Brian's got a plan, but brute IPAs, I missed that they were just a little flash there. So I'm going to assume... Max, can I assume you have an appreciation for the Brood IPA? We do. We do. We, there's a little bit of spin on it, though. So okay. you know, I'm looking forward to diving into that with you. Okay, cool. Me too, man. That's going to be a good time. I saw that was a potential topic of interest, and I could not pass it up. Okay, I do Fair have enough. some love for the style. Yes, I yeah. do too. Yeah, it was fun exploring those when they kind of hit down here, seeing what options we got and all that. So we also want to send out the very best to know Mike Nate this week, usually behind the board running things for us we're having to stumble through it ourselves but no mike nate is under the weather he is very so the covid got him he's at home healing up we wish you the best nate and we'll see you in at least 14 days we yeah. want you to heal up but stay away from us <laughs> stay right. away from us until you get better there so so max bourbon county brand stout hyped beer everybody goes after it you know some people changed when they became you know quote sellouts do you guys get that out in jackson hole does it come out that way we do. We get a, a pretty good supply of it, actually. Okay. Do you have ABV limits out there? Do you get all the good stuff? or We get all the good stuff. Wyoming okay. is uh, just let it fly. Not here. They, <laughs> I'm we, so jealous. They We can't be trusted with beer over 14% in Georgia. So so a lot of the times we miss out on you know a lot of the Bourbon County stuff. A lot of the stuff from Avery. And Avery makes some phenomenal oh, beers yeah. over over that 14%. so The tweaks and the various things like yeah. that, those big old beers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We almost never get any of the, the Bourbon County variants because they're almost always over 14%. Yeah. They accidentally shipped us one one time that was like a 14-2, and they just cleared it all out and sent it back. You guys can't. <laughs> You guys can't handle so that. So scandalous. Because you know the people <laughs> looking to get ripped are the ones buying $20 500 milliliter bottles of beer rather than the $6 quart of quality house vodka. Where are you getting it that cheap? Because it's usually like 25 or 26 See? these yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't handle it, man. Can't handle it. But Bourbon County, Brand Stout, BCBS, BCS, they release early in the year to get the hype going, the variants that are going to be part of the lineup this year. Brian, I think you took a little look at that. What are we in store for this year? The release of the information is almost as hyped as the release of the beer itself. So we've got a bunch of interesting variants. We've got a cherry wood stout that's, that's coming out. It's finished in honeycomb-shaped toasted cherry wood chips uh, to okay. give it notes of cherry and toffee. The one I'm really kind of interested in, the Bourbon County Reserve 150, which was aged for a year in Old Forester 150th anniversary bourbon barrels. I love Old Forester, so... 
That's kind of fun. We've got the double barrel toasted barrel stout. So it's uh, spent some time in Elijah Craig small batch bourbon barrels. And I guess another year in different Elijah Craig barrels. So that's interesting. They're talking about things like caramel and vanilla and toasted marshmallow and all kinds of fruit and oak in the finish. So sounds really good. They got one that went into Blanton's barrels. There is the other really interesting one to me is classic cola stout. A cola one, right? Yeah. 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 So it's a flavor profile of like a whiskey cola using nine ingredients blended into the base. So I'm intrigued by that. I'm not sure if I would... How that's going to come across. So here's the thing. I've had some stouts where notes of cola are present in the stout, and I enjoy that. Max, have you seen that? Like certain stouts, you kind of get a cola-ishness out of them? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. What do you think of that character in them? You you like that character in a stout? For me, it comes off a little bit sweet, a little okay. bit more sweet than I'd, I'd like, you know, maybe from the base beer or maybe from some of the uh, oak enhancement from it. So it's one I tend to stick away from or trend away from. Okay. Just the Bourbon County in general or the the cola-noted ones? The cola-noted okay, ones. Okay, gotcha. I do right. thoroughly enjoy the Bourbon Counties. I like that, like, an 8-ounce pour has a very good chance of giving you diabetes. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's right in my wheelhouse. Now, I usually don't drink more than about the 8 ounces, but, like, uh, Black Tuesday, that big sweet 19.2-ish Or 20-plus sometimes percent. Yeah. Either give you the diabetes or double down on the diabetes you already have. Or give just it reinforcements. Stack it up, man. Yeah. I, I almost forgot Proprietors, which is inspired oh, yeah. by okay. a strawberry ice cream bar this year. So that could be Okay. Could be good. I've not been grossed out by anything that they've come out with that I've tried so far, but it seems like it could be one way or the other on that one. They you know what Atlanta Brewing Company here did their Neapolitan stout that one time that had the chocolate oh, and yeah. in yep. All those flavors work pretty tasty. They, were, in they were pretty tasty. I think that they did a proprietor's version previously that was, oh, Spumoni ice cream. So not oh, they did do a Spumoni. That's yeah, right. so that yeah. was a, a previous year. I don't remember. 2020, I think, is okay. what it was. So that's the roundup. That's this year's. Uh, yeah. Max, will you get those? Are you, are you a Bourbon County fan? Do you go after them? I am a Bourbon County fan. I actually grew up in Chicago, so I got to okay, all right, produced in that. But uh, yeah. we we usually just get the straight up Bourbon County brand stout. We don't see many of the variants out here. Okay, gotcha. You know, Georgia is getting a lot more of different beers, but I remember very much when Bourbon County, like the first time it ever made it to Georgia, literally checking delivery schedules of beer trucks and following them around <laughs> to try and get one single bottle. Seriously, it was such beer, a pain. So. But it was so great if you got them. Like it, was. That was the it was. the celebrated thing. It was both ridiculous and fun. So, yep. you know, yep. that's about it. Yeah. Well, Tim, I think it's time for us to get into the beers of the week. Now it's time for our beers of the week. Brought to you by The Nest. Craft beer and barbecue in downtown Kennesaw, Georgia. TheNestKennesaw.com. Well, Brian, as always, we got a great list of beers to get into, courtesy of Roadhouse. Thank you so much, Max, for sharing some of your brews with us. We're currently into the Pilsner right now. Uh, we've got some others to get into, and we do, Brian, want to thank The Nest for sponsoring this segment. Always a very good sponsor. Craft Beer Barbecue, Kennesaw, Georgia. Go get you some. Try the wings. They've got a burger now, Brian. Yes, and, uh, yes they, they do. They have a Nashville hot chicken taco that they do. Oh, that's right. But yeah. if you bug them, they'll turn it into a sandwich. Get, get the sandwich. On Texas <laughs> yeah. toast. Yeah, exactly. Nonetheless, right. so it's good stuff. But we have the Highwayman Pilsner that we're currently sipping on right now. We are a little bit later going to get in Breath and Bramble Sour Ale with raspberries and lemon. And we have a Wilson Mountain Style IPA. So is that a 
Wilson Mountain style or is that Wilson Mountain style? The latter. Okay. All right. Cool. So we'll have to see. We're going to find out what a mountain IPA is. It's a mountain style IPA. Yes, indeed. It's going to be a good time. Well, Brian, what's happening this week in the news? What's in the news? The beer guys have the scoop. Extra, extra, read all about it. Time for headlines. All right. So it's been reported everywhere. Boston Beer Company and Pepsi are teaming up on a hard Mountain Dew. The, uh, the actual name of the product is uh, Hard MTN Dew because I guess that's tech speak and that's hip right it's now. It's cool. So, yeah. Yes, right. I didn't see any emojis in the name, which uh, surprised me a bit. I assumed there would be at least a tongue sticking out somewhere, but, uh, you know, whatever. The partnership has Boston Beer uh, creating the recipe and Pepsi forming a whole new uh, entity to sell it. It's all a little enticing to me until I read some details about the the beer. I, I drank a fair amount of Mountain Dew in my day, and I, I imagine you did a little bit too. Yeah, so, yeah caffeine yeah. and sugar, let's do this. Yeah, it's just kind of classic. So I'm like, sure. all right, I think I might be down for this. But then I saw that the plan was for the beverage to be 5% ABV, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's not bold or exciting. Okay. And uh, it's got no sugar, no caffeine, and I'm like... What's going on here? What's Have going they on? had Mountain Dew before? Yeah, I don't know if Pepsi's actually had yeah. Mountain Dew. Right. But here's the thing. I think where they're going for the whole extreme bowl thing is they're putting it in 24-ounce cans, Tim. So uh, okay. I guess the uh, the stats aren't too exciting because there's such a it's a tanker truck full of uh, hard Mountain Dew, so you don't want to put it up too high. I'm thinking the, the real bold and exciting bit will be the money they make off of it once they sure. start selling it. So. I bet they had to be careful with that because yeah. remember all the blow-up we had a few years ago about high alcohol, high caffeine? Yes, yes. So they're probably like, and you know what? Let's keep this one on the down low there. I know, but I'm disappointed, I I but I'll it. try it just because I'm I'd a probably glutton try like it. that. I think so. it's like black cherry and the classic flavor, and I forget what the other ones. So like three different options are coming Crazy. out. It'll be 2022. Before All we right, see it. fine. Yeah. I'll try it. Well, you're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Roadhouse Brew. Have you ever thought about owning your own brewery but don't know what it takes to get one built? We're Storytime Construction, and we build breweries. We're Georgia's most experienced and hands-on contractors when it comes to building new breweries and tap rooms or expanding existing breweries. We offer full build-outs, remodeling, and additions, as well as consulting and construction management. Give us a call at 770-733-4343. Storytime Construction. We build breweries. Looking for a perfect afternoon beer, a feel-good weeknight beer with your dinner, or a great beer for whenever you don't want alcohol? Look no further than Athletic Brewing. They've won awards on multiple continents and are revolutionizing anything you've ever thought about non-alcoholic beer. Check out their website at athleticbrewing.com for a store closest to you or order online with free shipping nationwide. Athleticbrewing.com. Use code BEERGUYS25 to get 25% off your first round on us. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram i didn't enjoy it at all now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show remember all episodes are available on demand so if you miss the broadcast get the podcast beer guys radio is available on all popular and unpopular podcasting apps now let's get back to roadhouse brewing company roadhouse brewing company jackson hole wyoming a place we've heard great things about but haven't been i'm not even sure if i've been to wyoming 
I've driven through Wyoming. I did okay. a, a pretty sure that was one of the, the states I went through on a road trip. Beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. I think the last time I was out, I have a friend in Utah. So, Max, I've been out to Utah, went over into Windover, Nevada, to the casinos that they've got there. And I actually have a friend that is, which one is right above Utah, Montana or Wyoming? Actually, directly above Utah would be Idaho. Well, it's yeah. either Montana or Wyoming. I have a, a friend whose husband is a rancher there. Like, they post videos on Facebook, and I'm like, you know, this is something we're never going to see in the southeast U.S. You know, you don't see <laughs> land, that much open land, you know, that kind of animals grazing that. So it's very cool to me to see that kind of stuff there. There is some beautiful area in the, the central part of the U.S. There is. I drove through... I don't even remember what state that's in, the Painted Desert or something like that. I think I drove through part of that. It's not – I don't know if that's Wyoming. I think a neighboring states perhaps or – Yeah, perhaps. I'm not familiar with that. But I, I be- okay. I be- it's a lot of land out here. Yeah, you, you yeah know there's what? a lot of interesting stuff out there. Max, so. that was one thing that always surprised me, like flying out west, is, you know, in the southeast, there's just people. You know, it's dense over here, densely populated. And, like, flying out of Denver, headed back east, once you get out of Denver – there's not much. It's God's country there, as they say. There's Big just a lot of open spaces. land. Yeah, open spaces, yeah. yeah. Well, Max, that's enough geography, I think, <laughs> yeah, for today. Geography lessons. We've had our fun. Herpetology and geography, we're covering it all that's this right. week. But Max, tell us about how you got started in the beer world. Sure. In the beer world, uh, like most brewers, I got started as a home brewer. Um, started home brewing probably almost 15 years ago now. Really love to cook. I uh, really love biology. I studied biology in college, so it was a great marriage of two deep passions of mine, great flavors, producing a product that you can consume. Uh, and then also just the science behind brewing. Through college, I, I helped a brewery in the small town I was going to college in, uh, do some pilot batches for a brewery they were opening. Uh, after I'd graduated from school, I, I came out here to Wyoming, uh, where I had some family and uh, was doing some other odd jobs and uh, working doing kind of part-time seasonal type work. I got a job on the bottling line uh, at Grand Teton Brewing, which is just over the Teton range here from us uh, in Wyoming on the Idaho side of the Tetons. Worked my way up uh, at Grand Teton for a handful of years. I was the brewmaster there. I did a little stint at the Siebel Institute in Chicago and, and then the World Brewing Academy in Munich. And uh, shortly after that, in about 2017, I was uh, approached by the Roadhouse team as they were starting to scale up their small, uh, small brew pub which is a small seven barrel system uh, and, and was asked to come on board to help scale up the production to our 30 barrel facility uh, where we bottle and can keg and, and distribute our beer around. Um, and that's, that's kind of just a short rundown of it all. Cool. Quite yeah. an adventure, man. Yeah, seriously. That's a impressive resume. So 2017, they brought you on, but they'd been around for a couple of years before that too, prior, right? Yeah. Almost five years prior to that. As I mentioned, it was a small brew pub. Um, our co-founders and co-owners, Gavin Fine and Colby Cox are the, the men behind the brand. And, and Gavin is a restaurateur here in Jackson. He has about seven, I believe seven restaurants or so. Uh, one of them, uh, the one we got our start in, which is actually no longer around, there was a barbecue place. And so for a while, it was the Q Roadhouse. And you get some good barbecue and there was a billiards room. And in uh, about 2012 or so, Colby approached Gavin and said, we should turn that into something that is more useful than just a billiards room that they were losing you know, the cue ball left and right. And there was a handful of balls always missing. <laughs> so you can never really shoot a, a proper game. So they put a small seven barrel in there and started distributing uh, that beer to all of Gavin's restaurants. And then we picked up a couple other key accounts in town that move quite a bit of beer. And then finally in 2017, we, we started brewing. That was about June of 2017. Actually, we started brewing production size batches for, for more 
distribution opportunities. Very cool. You mentioned barbecue. What kind of barbecue is in Jackson Hole? What 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 are the meats that are? Yeah, what, what style is that? that? Traditional. A lot of there? beef ribs, maybe. Right. Tons of beef. You know, lots cattle, of beef. Cattle, okay. Cattle outnumber people in uh, yeah. Wyoming. Yeah. Some crazy number, like four or five to one. So a lot of beef. What I was told, in, in the short stories I've heard about it, is Gavin and, and some of his higher ups within the company, as some of his culinary directors and, and chefs and whatnot, were traveling around uh, barbecue lands. You know, they were in. Uh, Kansas City, they're in Texas, they're in Carolinas, they were checking everything out. And I believe what they sell down was a little bit more Texas style barbecue. Okay. Um, yeah, that would so make that sense good. with the beef, sure. Yeah, it does. It makes a bunch of sense. All great barbecue places. So in that growth, I mean, I, I saw that you'd recently expanded your distribution. You're not just local to Wyoming and in, in your area, but you're out in California now too, right? We're out in California now. Yeah. So we, you know, we distribute statewide in Wyoming, Idaho, a lot of Colorado, most of Utah, parts of Montana, really uh, trying to own that Intermountain West, uh, those core states, all that touch Wyoming. Uh, it was about this May, it was past May that we, we started distributing in Southern California. San Diego is the big market. And then we're also up in Sacramento. We happen to use the, the beer finder, you know, you can go to most people's uh, websites and see where you can pick up your favorite breweries beer. And we get some really great data off that. Breweries get some really, really interesting stuff. And we discovered that one of the most searched area codes was that Southern California region. So we felt that was a really educated and a a really wise decision to start selling our beer down there. And so we've been selling down there for, I said, about three months or so now. And it is doing absolutely fantastic. It really aligns with the styles of beer we make and the style of beers people in Southern California like to drink. Uh, very similar lifestyles, you know, being outside, whether it's, you know, being on the rivers in, in Wyoming or surfing in Southern California. Uh, we all kind of speak the same language. That's pretty cool. And they I'm do guessing, like their beer in SoCal. In California, it does like the whole bear motif. I think that's part of the, is that part of the California <laughs> okay. flag or something? It's, it it's on a lot of breweries, they the design. The Republic so. of California. I yeah, think, yeah, so. exactly. So they probably think you're from California. Hey, I've never heard of them. They must be from <laughs> yeah. California with that bear, you know? Yeah, I saw a video the other day where it was bear cubs, like trying to tear a flag down on a golf course. And someone's like, oh, that's how the California flag happened. Yeah. Just out there. How is the beer scene in Jackson Hole? How big is Jackson Hole? Jackson is a pretty small town. It's about right around 10,000 people full time. Okay. It's a big service industry. We're here at the gates to Grand Teton National Park, Yellowstone National Park to expand it even further. You know, we're, we're pretty equidistant between those beautiful parks down in Utah, like Zion and Bryce, uh, as well as Glacier up in Montana. So we get a lot of people who travel through. I think I recently heard, we see about 50,000 people a day uh, who come through Jackson. Oh, wow. Uh, whether oh, wow. They're, they're coming through to go to the parks, you know, we're whitewater rafting, hiking, any of those things that you could do on a, on a wonderful vacation. Um, so it's not a big town. It's it's very service-driven. It's a great little slice here in the, tucked between the Tetons and, and some other mountains. It's a good place to grab a bite and some beer, right? Absolutely. Definitely, definitely. We've, we've got a lot of breweries. We've got a lot of people producing various sorts of alcohol. We've got a handful of distilleries. We've got a winery, actually. Here in town, Jackson proper, I can think of three other individual brewing companies that are here, and a couple of us have multiple locations. We have a, multiple locations in Jackson. Uh, and then, as I mentioned earlier, if you, if you jump over about 45 minutes over Teton Pass into the Idaho side, uh, it's kind of our bedroom community over there. Um, it's a little bit more affordable and, and, and a little bit easier for people to live. And gosh, there's a handful of other breweries and distilleries over there as well. Wow. 
For a town of 10,000, that's super impressive. Well, there. he said 50,000 are coming through, so it's not even 50-50, the population of tourists and, and locals. Right. It's much, 80, much. 20-ish. Yeah, there, something like that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, we've got a pretty good brewery to uh, people uh, per capita, you know. I think yeah, a lot of that's what I was thinking, they've right. Got it better, but they haven't been to Jackson yet because we got a lot. <laughs> that's right. Is uh, Melvin, they have a location there, right? They do. Their original brew pub is, is in town. In Jackson. That's what I thought. Uh, okay. And their production facility is about, I think it's about 35 or 40 miles south of us in a town called Alpine, Wyoming. Okay. We talked to the owner there one time. Craziest interview I've ever had. He was just, <laughs> just wild. He was talking about shooting people with yogurt cups out of a t-shirt right. cannon and stuff. So just insane there. You know, I think we're about to run out of time right now. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Wilson. We should talk, we're about, talk about this mountain yeah. IPA. Find out what a mountain ipa is so you're listening to the beer guys radio show we do need to take a break but we'll be back very soon with more from roadhouse brewing Headed to the Battery in Atlanta? Be sure to check out the Terrapin Atlanta Brewery and Taproom. Whether the Braves are playing at home or on the road, the Terrapin Brewery and Taproom is always pouring all of our locally brewed Georgia beers like Hop Executioner and High and Hazy, while also introducing small batch R&D beers created on our five-barrel pilot system right inside the Braves Stadium. And if you're looking for great food, we've got you covered with Fox Brothers Texas-style barbecue. Stop by and see us today at the Terrapin Brewery and Taproom at the Battery Atlanta. Have you visited Ironmonger Brewing recently? Take a trip and see the newly renovated and spacious tap room or enjoy the outdoors in their new beer garden with plenty of seating and shade to ease that summer sun. Ironmonger's tap room has a variety of craft beer and hard seltzer on tap with wine and spirits coming soon. Ready for a bit of adventure? Try out axe throwing with Ironmonger's 16 target range. It's a perfect spot for some quick fun or to host your next party or corporate event. So grab your friends and have some fun today at Ironmonger Brewing. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. I want to give a quick shout out to one of our great radio affiliates, KZWY 94.9 and 106.3 FM in Sheridan, Wyoming. Catch Beer Guys Radio and KZWY every Saturday at 10 a.m. Now let's get back to Roadhouse Brewing Company. Max, we have a can of Wilson Mountain Style IPA. Now that I see the can, that answers my earlier question about Wilson Mountain Style or, or that. So I see the way that's labeled up. Now, for those that can't see the can, it looks like we have kind of a uh, geographic map of Wyoming in the background there. And in the dead center of the can is a very large iguana there. So, And I'm told there is a story about this iguana and about Wilson here. So tell me about Wilson Mountain Style IPA. Yeah, Wilson uh, Mountain Style IPA. It's one of our flagship beers, uh, if not our flagship beer. It's one of the first beers we started brewing back at those early days down at the Q Roadhouse in our small system. Uh, it's one of Colby's initial recipes. He won a lot of awards for this uh, home brewing. 
it was originally brewed and inspired as a West Coast IPA. Uh, so it was a little bit more assertive, a little bit more bitter, uh, really leaving kind of that bittery, resiny, you know, thing on your palate. Uh, we've, we've made some modifications to it over the years to try and move it towards this mountain style IPA. We started having a conversation with uh, some folks down at Odell Brewing Company in Fort Collins. And they make uh, one of their core IPAs is, is called the Mountain Style IPA. And so we approached them at a GABF a couple of years ago and said, hey, can we start making this style of beer? And, and they were pretty psyched for us to, to join them in this quest. And, and it kind of all stemmed at the time from how regional IPAs and started to become getting your New England style IPAs, your West Coast style IPAs. While they're not exactly named, I do think the Midwest and the Pacific Northwest, I haven't had many IPAs from the Southeast, but I can imagine those are uniquely different as well. And so as the country has started to evolve IPA into such a uniquely American thing for craft beer, we found that we were missing this mountain style IPA. And a lot of our IPAs are all pretty similar. They have both New England and West Coast inspirations. They're not hazy and they're not orange juice looking like in New England. They got a slight bit of haze to it. So we centrifuge ours to be slightly hazy, not brilliantly clear like a West Coast. They're super hop assertive, um, but not bitter like a West Coast as well. Very aromatic, very flavor forward, uh, all driven from hops. So no fruit either in, in the mountain style IPAs. So that's kind of what we were going for. Our water is pretty unique as well. So we're really leaning into our water uh, chemistry as well when producing these beers. I like kind of that hybrid. I've said it many times on the show, Max. I don't like the bracing West Coast style. Not my thing. I dig most of the Northeast, but I like one that's got just a little bitterness there, you know, kind of carry things through a little bit of fruit, a little bit of, you know, some citrus, some floral. This seems I'm down with it. I am as well. This seems kind of like what we were before New England IPAs, the Hazies took over everything. We were kind of in the the Southeast or on the East Coast. We had our own little somewhat similar to this kind of like not really West coast, but not really new England, a little softer, a little less intense bitterness, a little more fruity. So yeah, we're, we're kind of in that area. I think we'd be a little different. If you, you know, your creature comforts, tropicalia compared to this, they're going to be different beers for sure, but similar kind of goals with those, with your elevation and whatnot. It made me think it's like the actual boiling point for your brewing might have an interesting effect on like the hop, uh, Pop usage I, I, definitely usula- impacted there. Usage yeah. and isomerization, all that sort of thing. And I'm like, I'm guessing that that must figure into it a little bit, right? Elevation certainly plays a role. You know, our boiling temperatures are considerably lower. Um, we come to a full boil right around 202 degrees, which is pretty unique. So we don't see a lot of color pickup. We, we don't have a direct fire kettle in either of our breweries, but we don't see major color pickup, which is really nice. Uh, we, we've just started looking into what isomerization does in our beers with that lower boiling temperature, but the current science out there shows it probably is, is reducing that bitterness and that isomerization yeah. of those alphas um, just because it's a lower temperature. I had that seen something sense. and I don't, I'm betting it was from Stan Hieronymus, but it was a chart <laughs> that showed temperature scale and, you know, hop utilization. And I figured there would be some difference, but if I remember Max, it was pretty substantial. Like looking at sea level compared to like, you know, the Mile High City or something. Looking at those variances there was pretty pretty substantial I think difference. when he was on the show, he said it was you can't replicate the beers brewed yeah. at those higher altitudes elsewhere the way right. they do it. They just won't come out mm. the same because of that because boiling of the, temperature. The boiling yeah. temperature, the utilization. Like, you couldn't take your recipe and come here to Atlanta 
and do it like that probably would not be even remotely close. Yeah, probably more bitter. Out there. <laughs> interesting, yeah. interesting how that works out. Indeed, indeed. So we've got some other beers coming out from you. You get three beers that are coming out. I guess they were, they're very popular on tap, but they're coming out like for the first time in cans. And I noticed Belgians figure into this. So that's an interesting thing. We don't see a lot of big releases in cans for Belgian beers. Yeah, definitely. Belgian beers and Belgian brewing is at the absolute root of Roadhouse. We don't produce a lot of them, but we absolutely love to produce them. We drink a lot of them. We make a lot of Saison and other very traditional Belgian style beers up at our brew pub. And then for when we first uh, started in 2017, we were producing two of our mainstay Belgian beers. That's Avarice and Greed, which is a Belgian style golden ale brewed very much in, I guess, in tribute and in honor of Duval and just that beautiful Belgian golden style. Uh, and then we also brew uh, a beer called Siren Song, which is just a casual 14% alcohol. <laughs> That's a inspired, very monastic kind of Belgian quad style. Both are absolutely near and dear to our hearts. They're an absolute pain to brew, but we absolutely love how they turn out. Um, both of them are fermented multiple times, especially to achieve those really nice high alcohols. So we use our house Belgian yeast for initial primary fermentation. And then each beer goes through a secondary feeding, actually. We give it a big sucrose addition just to help increase that alcohol content without getting the yeast too sidetracked from consuming all the maltose. Uh, we hit it with a, a distiller's yeast that we've started using. And then finally, each one of the beers is actually can conditioned. So going into uh, into the can or at the time of the bottle, whatever, however we're packaging it, hit it just like a home brewer would. We, we spin up a little bit of dextrose solution into it, mix it into the bright tank, give it a nice recirc, throw some champagne yeast at it, and then give her a give her a good old canning. We recently started producing a hard seltzer. So those are in a slim can and just like your White Claws and all the other popular ones. And we found that as a great opportunity to try and put the uh, our Belgians into that size package as well. So we started putting our Belgians in those sleek cans. Uh, it's a really elegant package. And we found it was just a really beautiful thing. These are really high alcohol, very nice sipping beers. I should like to share them with friends when we're, you know, having dinner parties or just sitting around a fire or just having a conversation. They're, they're really beautiful package. And so uh, we took that opportunity and it turned out really beautifully. We introduced a third member into that party this summer. It's called Breath and Bramble. It's a Pretty traditional kettle sour. We kind of tweaked it a little bit in how we're doing uh, the kettle souring on it. Uh, we, we actually don't do it in our kettle. We do a, a small lactic fermentation in a fermenter uh, and then return it back to our brew house and boil it just to help with downstream processing of a, of a product that has live lacto in it. It sees a little bit of uh, raspberry puree and some Meyer lemon to really boost up that acidity. And we're calling it a modern tart ale. It's not quite a, an American style sour. It's not quite a Goza. It's not quite a Berliner. It's, it is a kettle sour at heart but it's got a little bit more legs to stand on if you will and and that comes in at five percent it's got a nice nice reddish hue to it and a decent little bit of raspberry and and we're we're absolutely loving how that beer turned out and it's uh it's a great summer drinker and, and we actually think it's going to go well into the fall and, and even as a winter drinker those cans do people will pick yeah. those up for crushing you know for the, sure well, that 14 percent or just <laughs> knock it back yeah, that's it. right. They pick it up and they're like, oh man, these are, yeah, I love these. And Everybody then, grab one and we'll shoot them. They're like, oh, this is a little, this is a little thick, man, but it's, yeah. but it's nice, but yeah. it's nice. Four yeasts. I think I heard that go into that quad, like a champagne and a distiller's yeast and a, the Belgian yeast yeah. to, to start it all. I don't so even know what the other one is. The distiller's yeast, is that like a high alcohol tolerant yeast that you use like in the feeding? 
Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. that's what I figured. We got our buddy Jonathan. He did a beer that way where he kept doing the sugar feedings. And, that's right, yeah. And he mentioned that he kept the you know the distiller's yeast there to handle that high alcohol content. Makes a lot of sense. I think he ended up squeezing like 23% out of a homebrew. You know, and <laughs> he did it just kind of out of spite because he reached out to a brewery to ask for tips on how to do it. They're like, you can't do this on a homebrew scale. You can't. He's like, well, I'm going to show you. So yes, <laughs> go, and Jonathan, he did. Go, man. And he, he did, did a good job. With he it did. Too. It was really good. It was really nice. Yeah. Well, you're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take one more break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Roadhouse Brewery. and Tim, the beer guys. If you're like us, no lunch or dinner is complete without a pint or two of craft beer. Which is why Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth are always on our list. Tim, why do they call it Truck and Tap? Well, the tap part is easy, Brian. They've got 18 of them. As for the truck part, that's where it gets interesting. Truck and Tap features your favorite Atlanta area food trucks, so you're getting a different menu every day. Truck and Tap in downtown Woodstock, Alpharetta, and Duluth. Truckandtap.com. Let them know that the beer guys sent you. Patio season is here, and the nest in Kennesaw, Georgia, has plenty of outdoor space for you to enjoy a cold beer and some tasty barbecue. They've got 48 taps of great beer, wine, cider, and even hard seltzers, plus an impressive craft cocktail list, so there's something for everyone. If you're ready for some friendly competition, head over every Tuesday for trivia, or relax and take in the local talent with live music every Wednesday and Sunday. Enjoy the great weather while you can. Grab your friends and head to the nest in Kennesaw, Georgia. Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be the man! You gotta beat the man! Woo! Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beerguys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag and commercial-free episodes. Now let's get back to Roadhouse Brewing Company. Max, we've just opened your breath and bramble here. So this is raspberry with a little Meyer lemon, is that right? That is correct. It's tasty. The red, as you said, lightly tinted there, not uh, sugar bowl, pastry, sour kind of stuff here. Totally. We nice. yeah. grew everything in balance. If we're going to add fruit to something, we don't want it to be the overpowering component of that beer. We don't have to complement it. So it's not a ton of raspberry, so we don't get that okay. you know, bright red. I think a lot of the focus, as I was reading, was will this beer pair well with the food we are producing at Roadhouse? Was kind of a heavily restaurant-driven, so if it was giant slurry, they might have trouble pairing that with some of the dishes they would like to pair it with. Sure. Though I bet you you could. You I know? play both sides of the fence. Yeah. You know, give me a smoothie sour I can slice with a knife. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But give me a light one <laughs> where the beer – and to be honest, I do like to where the beer still shines through, like you mentioned, Max – I'm cool with some raspberry, some lemon in that, but if I'm drinking an IPA or a half or whatever it may be, I want to know that that beer's in there most of the time. Yeah, most it, of the I'd time. like it to taste like beer. I mean, sure. there's times, I, I think with the pastry stouts, especially for me, I'm okay with it really kind of starts tasting like a dessert and less of a beer, but usually they're boozy enough that you get that. It's a different get, beverage to me. You head yeah. into a different territory there. Yeah, you kind of are. Oh, well. You kind of are. It's bigger. Yeah. Max, a pretty big honor for Roadhouse here. You guys are now a certified B Corporation. Is that correct? That's correct. We've had our certification now for, I want to say about three years, actually. And we're pretty proud to be a part of that group. Cool. Now, for those that don't know, like Brian, what a B Corp <laughs> is, can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So B Corp uh, certified companies and organizations are companies and groups who have shown their commitment to the environment and doing everything they can to try and help maintain healthy practices, whether it's manufacturing, consumption, things like that. So in, in our case, uh, we do a lot of things in the brewery to help minimize our footprint in general. We have a solar array on the roof, which gives us, I don't know, 65, 70% of the power back into our building, which is quite fantastic. Our brew house is is designed to make sure that we're not uh, burning natural gas in excess. So we actually are recapturing a lot of that steam to use it to heat various parts of our brewery, mainly the water, our chemical tanks. We have a, a system which we recapture all of our chemicals that we use throughout the brewery and then we use them over and over again. So we're, we're minimizing, one, the strength of chemicals that are going down the drain, ending up in city water treatments, but also uh, minimizing carbon footprint on trucks coming to deliver us chemicals and plastic totes and things like that. Uh, most recently, we just installed a CO2 recapture system. So we're, we're hoping to recapture about 100,000 pounds of CO2 wow. uh, from our fermentation and also while bleeding down tanks and relieving pressure off of things. Uh, so that's awesome for the environment. It's also helped us greatly with the head retention in our beer, the aroma and flavor in our beer as well. And so we're pretty proud. It's a true honor to be a part of that group, especially for a brewery and a company our size. We're not huge, but we've really given a, a large investment to the environment and making sure we can help preserve it the best we can. You know, I always like hearing stuff like that, that a brewery gives a darn, yeah, yeah. you know, the environment, the community and that. And you know what? Shout out to Georgia's own Creature Comforts. That's right. They recently were certified as a B They just Corp, announced so. that. Yeah. And that recapturing CO2, I understand, is not an inexpensive process. Of yeah. Re- we've talked about it. It's quite involved, isn't it, Max? It's quite involved uh, financially and uh, right, from yeah. an infrastructure standpoint. Uh-huh. Um, and we just felt that it was, it's our responsibility to try and minimize as much of that as we can. And so, like, as I mentioned, you know, it's, it's great for the environment, but it's also helping us uh, produce a better product. So really a win-win. I'm really intrigued by the whole process. And you said that it actually your beer benefits from the, the recapture of CO2. Did I hear that correctly? Because I'd never yeah. even thought about that. How does it benefit from that? And most recently, in, in you know over the last year or so, CO two manufacturer like CO two plants in general have been unfortunately producing a little bit lower quality CO two for a myriad of reasons. So as we were getting some certificates of analysis, we were seeing a little bit higher levels of oxygen uh, or other inert gases in the CO two. Um, our system that recaptures our CO2 has a very, very, very strict threshold for at which point they'll actually start recapturing that CO2. And, and I mean, in terms of an oxygen level, we're adding pure, like very, very pure CO2 into our beer, which is also then helping with a lot of head retention uh, and some flavor and aroma as well. Um, if you smell the CO2 coming off the recapture, uh, most of it's coming off of our fermentation tanks, uh, our big fermenters. And we don't have any science behind this, but a lot of us believe that it's all those esters and aromas that are getting blown off of, you know, an IPA and heavy ferment or, you know, one of our delicate lagers and ferments and they're getting captured in there. So maybe it's a little bit of essence in the CO2. The but again, there's no there, science man. behind that. Reinfusing the, the beer. The CO2, See, sure, I, man, I love sure. this. I, I love the, the geeky side of this. And yeah. that's intriguing. I hadn't even thought of that. Well, you know, yeah. it totally makes sense that you'd want lower oxygen levels. In yeah. there. I mean, you know, oxygen's the enemy of beer. You don't exactly. want to be putting that. You don't want to be putting oxygen in with your CO2 there as much as possible. So air is going to find its way in there anyhow, a little bit. Oxygen's so so good for people. So bad for beer. So bad for beer. So bad for beer. (laughs) I saw that you have an independent nitrogen generation thing as well. Is that right? I've never even heard of this. 
Yeah, we also have a nitrogen generator. So it, it runs just kind of on its own. It does its own thing. So it pulls in just general atmospheric air. It separates it down to a 99.9% purity nitrogen. So it's a very inert gas. So we can use it to displace tank head pressure rather than using CO2. We use it in our lab, um, which requires very high purity nitrogen for various tests and, and, and analysis that's being run up there. Uh, and that's a pretty cool little little unit as well that just kind of chugs along and, and provides us with this pure inert gas that can help us with various processes in the brewery. When other brewers come there and they're like, oh, can we check out your beer in that? Are you like, yeah, but you really want to see the quality. Come check out this CO2. Yeah. <laughs> this is, look <laughs> at this, look at this analysis. Take a hit off this the CO2, CO2 tank. Yeah. Yeah. Tim used yeah, to like I would, yeah, I have a habit when, of doing that. When we were homebrewing, Tim used to like like to take a good hit off of a, a CO2 purge tank. It was marvelous. You know, it sounds like, <laughs> what's it saying here about uh, on the Wilson can? They're nearly extent for doing things that smart people don't do. Yes. I'm guilty of that. I've shared this before, Max, that when we homebrewed, for whatever reason, when we kicked a keg, I always had the habit of popping the top off of it and immediately putting my face down in the keg. <laughs> And every time it almost knocked me on my tail, but it didn't stop my idiotic self from doing it again the next time we kicked it. It's amazing. Keg, you so. can just watch. I, I wish I had video or I might yeah. have video, actually. I don't even know. You probably, I think you did I it off. I could be using an example like when they say, like, kids are reaching for a candle. They're like, oh, let him touch it once. He won't do it again. That's not always true. <laughs> no. That's not always true. Yeah, man, good stuff. What else is coming up, man, for Roadhouse? Tell us the fun things that Roadhouse has planned. We're pretty excited about a new beer that we're going to be releasing here about 10 days or so. Uh, we brew a series of beers, uh, a hazy IPA series called Mountain Jam, and uh, we're on to the seventh iteration of this. And it's a, a really great use of uh, some hops that came out of the, the public breeding program. Uh, we're pretty proud to be a part of that group it's called the Hop Research Council. It's a hop called Triumph one of the more recent uh, varietals to come out of that program. Previous to that, it was cashmere. Um, so some pretty cool hops coming out, and, and we're really excited to show what Triumph can do. It's got some nugget and uh, some other cool experimentals in it. So we're, we're trying to bring in some some new flavors, some old flavors, try to move away from that citra and that mosaic game uh, and really show some people that there's some other cool hops out there that can make some great hazy IPAs. The fun thing about the Mountain Jam series is it always features an artist or a band. Music is a, is a huge component of the brewery, and we always pair up with a new band. And, and for Mountain Jam 7, we've paired up with a band out of Denver, Colorado, uh, they're, they're called Dragon Deer and a uh, really great jam band. We, we had some great conversations with those guys. We did actually some virtual hop rubs with them to see what kind of flavors and aromas they were digging. So I sent them down 10 varietals and I smelled the same at the same time. And we came together on what we thought was going to be a, a great beer. So some really beautiful passion fruit, some dragon fruit, and a little bit of mango in that beer. It's, uh, it's really fantastic. Did I hear you say that you are on the Hop Research Council board that correctly? I'm one of the voting members. Voting uh, members. Of, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So me and uh, there's six other breweries are some of the voting members and, and we're the ones who uh, kind of decide how to fund and, and uh, research projects, uh, how to take experimental lines from the public reading program. And, and uh, it's been a real honor to be on that group. And uh, we've had a great time with it. That's pretty awesome. I'm curious about the characteristics of Triumph as a hop. What should we expect from a, a hop like that? It pairs well with others. Uh, it's not like a bully, you know, it doesn't like really show itself, maybe like Citra and Mosaic would, but it's got some really great notes of nectarine, tangerine. Uh, we get a little bit of dragon fruit and passion fruit out of it as well. And uh, it's really smooth. It's, it's a really awesome hop and, and I hope people really start to use it. Man, it's so much fun to see these yeah, hops seriously. coming out and checking them out. Max, thank you so much for joining us, sharing with us 
about Roadhouse Brewing, all the cool stuff going on there. If people want to find out more about what is happening at Roadhouse, what is the best way for them to do that? Following us on social media is great on our Instagram, on Facebook also works. Our website uh, is a fantastic place as well, roadhousebrewery.com. If anyone's ever in Jackson, uh, stop by the, the Roadhouse Pub and Eatery on, on Historic Town Square to have a, a fresh beer, a unique beer brewed there and uh, some great food or come see us at our tap room at our production facility. Sounds like a good time, yeah. man. Awesome. That about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. Join us next week as we talk to Bespoken Spirits, Brian. We're mixing it up a little bit there. For more craft beer info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers.